Hey folks, Craig Hayworth here, co-founder of Filmed. Welcome to the first ever Filmed Chats episode. Today I'm here with Craig Roberts, co-founder of Filmed, but who many of you may know from his acting work in films such as Submarine, Fundamentals of Caring, The Double, 22 Jump Street, Bad Neighbors to name a few, but also as a director and screenwriter with Just Jim, Phantom of the Open and Eternal Beauty starring Sally Hawkins. Today, we're going to be discussing the screenwriting process, where ideas come from, finding funding, and more. So, let's get into it. Today is our first filmed webinar. We're calling it a film webinar, but we're going to call it a film chat. We're going to have like a, maybe a potential chat series, or filmed chats, and uh, we're going to jump on and discuss filmmaking in general. And the first one, this one, is going to be about screenwriting, because uh, Craig has a lot of experience screenwriting, lots of scripts, and you know, he's you know, shaking his head, modest. And uh, they've gone through everything from sort of uh, pilots sort of, uh, that have been commissioned and then obviously through to his own features that he's directed and produced, et cetera. So loads of, loads of experience there. I have also got experience uh, writing uh, pilots and then some failed feature films So uh, and ones that I've not finished. So I think the, the juxtaposition there should be interesting and uh, we can chat through that. And then we'll, some, some opportunities to kind of ask some questions as well, I think, which will be helpful. And uh, hopefully we can gain some sort of uh, value out of this and uh, help each other and uh, have a good conversation about screenwriting and all it has to offer. Yeah, we, we, we really don't want it to be too formal. So we definitely want to open it up where we can all have a chat at the end and discuss stuff. And, um, I, you know, also thank you all for being a part of film and actually turning up. Um, I'm fed up of just talking to Craig on our own. So it's good to have other people on the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> Great, yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, I think it's starting to slow down to 50 participants cracking. Great. Uh, okay, cool. Well, why don't we uh, want we do a bit of an intro, Craig, because people might not know exactly who we are, what we do, what we've done, etc. Do you want yeah, to? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so my name is Craig Roberts. Um, I'm Welsh. I'm from, uh, I'm going to give you the full medical card. I'm from Caerphilly in Wales. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I suppose I got into the, f uh, the industry, the entertainment industry, um, in when I, uh, early on in my uh, like uh, life, when I was like nine, I started acting for a while. And then in my mid twenties, I discovered that I wanted to be a writer or a storyteller, um, and, and not just act. So, um, started uh, following that. So yeah, I've directed a few feature films, uh, I've three in total, two that I've written, um, and I've acted in a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't have seen. So that's me, Craig shoot. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm Craig. I sort of, uh, well, Craig and I worked together way back when, sort of over a decade ago. And uh, in, uh, well, we won't go there. Uh, so we worked together, and um, and we've done a couple of other stuff in the in the uh, in more recent years. A feature film actually we did together, and uh, uh, and yeah, and I've and I've watched Craig's writing process evolve over that time, and then watched his sort of successes and failures, of course, as we all have. And uh, yeah, so I'm in a good position to kind of question him as he is questioning me. And uh, yeah, I kind of I did the drama school route, so I didn't sort of get into sort of uh, acting or anything as a as a youngster. I kind of went through college and then drama school and went to go for school of acting. And then uh, yeah, I fell in love with sort of well trying to write because it gives you the sort of um, capability to really craft your own stories and of course your own characters. Uh, something that really intrigued me and. Um, uh yes and then with regards to writing uh i moved over to la and i lived there for sort of six years and was going to do the whole 
uh, acting in LA thing, realized that my American accent sucks. So, uh, so I could, uh, yeah, so I was, that was difficult out there uh, for obvious reasons. And, um, and yeah, so then, uh, so then I, with Craig, I've sort of been getting guidance from him with my writing. And then of course, read all of his drafts and stuff as well. So we've kind of gone over that process. So I've had a really good insight as, as to all of that, which is, uh, which should hopefully be a good topic of conversation for today. So, yeah. Um, I think the, in, in terms of if we're going to, you know, crack into screenwriting um, and the process of it all, I think we should probably at attack the process really and what it looks like for, you know, people. I mean, it's obviously all different for all of us if we are screenwriters. Um, and I'm probably going to shoot that to you straight away, Craig. So you wrote, you wrote a pilot for a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the process of that? How did it start? How did the, the idea hit you? Where did it come from? Uh, yeah. Okay. So this was actually, uh, it was circumstantial really. I was in LA and I just, I was, I was almost horrified by the, uh, the, uh, the fact that you had healthcare and, and I, you know, I was so obviously being English, you know, you sort of grow up with the NHS and you just assume that, you know, well, health is the most important thing loved ones are the most important thing and their health is the most important thing. So when I'm over there and you've seen people on the street, were just like, they just had a leg injury and then they got, they got, you know, sort of uh, thrown out of work because of it. And then they couldn't pay their healthcare bills and then they're on the street. And you're just like, this is insane. The way that this is set up, I felt. Uh, so, uh, so I've decided, Oh, this is, this would be a really good uh, sort of pilot to write a comedy pilot, <laughs> of course, make light of everything. Um, where there's an English guy who comes into a health insurance company and he's like, you know, their core sort of value on the uh, on the team is to deny claims because obviously, if you deny a claim, then you the, the monetary success for the insurance uh, company. So, uh, and how he would un underplay sort of uh, claims and things like this for people that he, uh, you know, the story's been kind of told in different ways uh, over the years, but um, it was that sort of idea. And so I kind of crafted these characters and tried to write me as a lead and, and, and directed and everything else, because obviously I was trying to launch a sort of career in the United States, et cetera. So that's kind of how it came about. And uh, uh, yes, and actually the process the process I actually see it saw right through. I'm sure we'll discuss this briefly, but uh, I saw the process right through from writing drafts to finding a team to crewing up to casting to shooting. So it was a SAG pilot to shooting the SAG pilot and then sort of uh, semi releasing it. Uh, yes, so that's the process of that. But it was it was actually yeah. You so I I know Craig very well, and you know he certainly trained as an actor, and I didn't know that writing was something you wanted to do. Why why that, and why did it? Why did you decide to like pivot? Well, uh, yeah. So basically, the writing was purely a means of getting some footage for me as an actor initially. I was like, right, so I need to kind of grab the ball by the horns and sort of you know uh, write something and get the sort of people involved and you know start the process. You can't just sort of Best by laws, you've got to sort of get things moving, etc. So that's that's one of the main things about films, actually. And this is why we one of the main reasons we created it, because you can be around the corner from an aspiring cinematographer and have no idea. And uh, and we all need each other in this business to to sort of create something of value and of course showcase our work, you know. Uh, so yes, so it's, it's that's that's why I kind of decided to write but then when i started writing and and sort of getting well delving into character development and plots and everything and learning everything that you kind of taught me over the years craig as well i was just like this is really cool and so 
so yeah, so that's when I wanted to go on to writing features after that. But I was like, right, let's write a pilot, get a sort of 25, 30-minute pilot, um, comedy pilot that I can, you know, attempt to make people laugh and then uh, <laughs> and go from there, basically. So yeah. You got the bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and there's something really, really great, especially because this industry is like obviously um uh rife with it, is this this feeling of control. Like you're able to control when you write and when you don't write. And yes, you can have writer's block and you sat there in front of uh, you know, pulling your eyes out of blank blank screen or whatever, but but it's it's still it's like within your control to kind of sit there and 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 go through the motions and sort of you know and that that's that was really alluring is this this idea of of being able to control the uh the output of something you know uh, as an actor for example you can go oh i want to act and i want to show people like an actor and the most you can do is potentially a uh a sort of a show, uh, like a a demo reel or something or a uh, uh you know a, an audition piece or something but when it comes when it comes down to it, people are looking for, for professional footage, and you've got to kind of showcase your work. And therefore, you need a cinematographer who's half decent, and you need a writer who's got a great script, and you need other actors who make you look good as well. And and sound is obviously extremely important, so you need a good sort of sound technician, etc. So you need this whole team just to be able to sort of go, I can act. Look, look, I can act. Give me some more work. So um, with writing, that's the one part of this whole piece that really has you have the most control of it's like the it's like the artist with a, a canvas they can they can sit there and and just paint you know so i think i think that's really alluring about the writing i think the control thing is probably why i uh yeah pivoted as well in a weird way i think that i've um like i was in, uh, enjoying acting and i still enjoy acting a lot um i just felt that you know i was of a certain ilk and um being cast that way and pr- probably just wanted to tell other stories and explore other stories and that seemed like um an easy avenue to do it and I, again the same way as you, you know the way you just described it as soon as i started writing and and started to get a feel for it i was like oh okay this make this makes sense and i'd watched enough movies i suppose that I kind of knew how they how they ran in in a weird way without having to read Save the Cat, although I did read Save the Cat and it's you know it's it's fine. <laughs> you didn't save it, no. <laughs> no. I didn't. I didn't save the book, no. Um, the book's fine. The book's great. I think. I think. I think you really need to read those books. Um, there, there's that the Save Save the Cat, and there's the other one. Uh, the really good one is On Filmmaking by Alexander McKendrick. I don't know how many of you have read that, but it's a phenomenal book. It's forwarded by Martin Scorsese, um, and it's it's on directing, but it's about storytelling as well. And that really that really that was a real education reading that. Whereas Save the Cat is paint by numbers. It's it's you know obviously you know essentially for those that haven't read it if, if your protagonist saves the cat then you're going to like the character um you know so if you if you have an inciting incident like that at the beginning then they're going to follow that um so yeah um how, how did i get on to save the cat i don't even like save the cat um uh, yeah, yeah the process the process so yeah i i uh, yeah, I, I think I just got obsessed with the, and I love, I, you know, I grew up playing The Sims and I love The Sims still. Um, so that's what like writing felt like for me, really. It's just like putting worlds together. And um, and I, I always feel at my best when I'm writing because nobody else knows how bad it is. 
um, I always, talk, talk, I always a bit about that. talk a little bit about that because I think that's really important. Like um, when you write your first draft or your first draft of a scene, even like really small scale, your first draft of a page, like uh, how bad do you think it is? And how do you, how do you, I think it's the best. I think it's like, there will be blood when I first, when I write my first draft, I'm like, this is it. This is absolutely it. And then like I share it with somebody and it's, it's, it's the agonizing wait. like a week, a week has gone by and they've not responded. And then two weeks goes by and you're like, oh my God, it's the worst thing ever. And then you start to reread it as that person and you start to go, this writer is terrible. And, you, um, and it's, it's the worst. Um, and it's real. It's really real. And I think it's really good. And actually, this may sound strange, but before I send this uh, script to people now, if I'm sending it to a certain actor, I read it as that actor or what they might think before I send it to them. Um, it may work or it may not work for other people, but it, it does for me just to like highlight my paranoia and my insecurities of like what's wrong with it, if that makes any sense. Um, I, any, sorry to jump in. Do you find you make any uh, adjustments to that point then when you sort of read it as whomever and you're like, okay, hold on. That's mean they're going to... At that point, it's like it's too late because it's probably been sent. So, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's really just... Um, uh, yeah, it's really just torture for myself. Um, but in terms of what was your question about the first? Yeah, the first draft. Um, I, I basically once I get a first draft, I probably share it with like very close friends. You're one that you know I share the draft with you, or we sometimes we read it out loud. I, I think the best thing to do is if you think something isn't working, give it to your friends and read it out loud with people in a room, and just to, you know just to see if it's if it's flowing in any way. And um, of course, dialogue is is going to be good to you because you've written it. It meant that makes sense. You know, it sounds good in your head, but mm -hmm. other people, other people won't read it that way. And other people will, you know, put their own, I suppose their own history into, into, into the, the, um, in between the lines. Um, so yeah, normally I share it to friends, um, and, uh, a producer that I work with. Um, and then it's just a really, you know, kind of, uh, bringing together people's, people's opinions and ideas of it. And then whether or not I, I agree with it. There's also something about a writer that's like, yeah, but you know, I, I when I was, when I first, you know, when I wrote my first script, I was like, no, these ideas are wrong. You know, this is, it's my vision. It has to be this way. And this is what it has to be, but it's not, I don't think it's always the case. I do. I do think that, and, and this is important. I do think that like, you don't really need skill to be a writer. I, I certainly don't have any qualifications to be a writer or any GCSEs for that matter. Um, but you do need a voice. And I think that's the important thing. Like, I think it's holding on to like who you are and the way you see the world. That's the only thing that's going to make it sing. If you start to second guess what other people may think or what things could be, or what you think the, you know, the, the, your demographic or the, you know, what the, the cinema goers want to see, I think it's just going to, it's going to fall between the cracks really. This is, yeah, this is great. So there's loads of points here. So obviously there's the, the. I think we should jump back briefly to this idea of, okay, well, how do you initially come up with a script idea? It's, you know, I think that's really important. And then of course, this I, you're talking about the, the fact there's lots of drafts and you're reading with your friends and you're kind of going over things. I'd love to discuss that more. But then of course, even then further down the line, like retaining your voice and knowing what, how you would ascertain which sort of feedback to move forward with and which is which ones kind of go against your voice and then right from obviously the producers and friends that you get involved to read scripts but then also when it comes down to uh, financiers and sort of you know executive producers etc we're trying to mold the script in a certain way for commercial reasons so loads of stuff but let's just then jump back then to to the idea like so for for the, fe for the feature films you've written obviously like just Jim, 
And that was sort of a coming of age story, which is kind of a lot of what you sort of play as a protagonist in your movies. Mm -hmm. But then, of course, you've written a more truth-based sort of psychological thriller with Eternal Beauty. So I feel like the, the ideas kind of come from different places. How would you discuss that? Well, yeah, I don't know where they come from. And if anybody you know, if anybody here knows where the ideas come from, please tell me which room because I bloody love them. Um, I, I think the, uh, I think well, with just Jim, when I wrote just Jim, I, um, it, I, I kind of I had so many ideas and so many influences. Um, and one person, uh, one director once told me that like, um, don't put all your good ideas into one project. And I think that's really, I mean, I mean, I, I kind of carry that with me really. Cause I have loads. I, I walk around, I, I've, I, I call it stack and ammo and I, I like, I collect ideas for things. It might be like colors of costumes or like lines that I overhear in a pub or like a restaurant or like, um, music that I like. And I just stack ammo and stack ammo for each project. And then hopefully by the end of it, it all, all comes together. I can, I can fit it in, but Sometimes I'll have what I think is a good idea and loads of good ideas and I put it into one thing. I'm like, I don't think this quite works because I, I feel like, yeah, but I'm not going to get a chance to do it again. Um, and with Just Jim, I kind of did that and it, it got it got critically, critically it was okay, but like one, uh, one um, uh, critic in particular uh, absolutely slammed it, killed it. And um, he did a video re re uh, uh, review where he basically said with a little bit of, I think rope or string or whatever um, Craig Roberts has been given. He's hung himself by making this movie. And I remember just being like, I think I was 24 when I, when I, when I uh, made it and I was like, bloody hell, is it that bad? Like, I was like, God, surely it can't be that bad. So I, you know, I, it really, it knocked me for a while, but I'm glad it kind of happened because I was like, yeah, I was kind of nodding too much towards like the movies that I loved or the filmmakers that I loved. Um, that being said, when it came to writing the second one, Eternal Beauty, I um, my ideas normally come from watching really good films and being jealous that I didn't make the movie. That's normally where my good ideas come from. So if I if I watch Worst Person in the World, I'm like, okay, that's really really good. But what's my version of that movie? How can I make that movie? But you know, my version of it. So like my favorite movie is Taxi Driver. I was like, okay, how do I make my own Taxi Driver? And that was Eternal Beauty for me. I was like, okay, I'm going to take somebody who has this internal struggle and this this um. Uh, yeah, this journey within herself to like how she navigates through the world and uh, the exterior noise of it, of, of everything. Um, like taxi driver, I was like, okay, that this is what it's going to be, and it it just so happened to relate to like somebody that was in my in my life, and that that connected to that. So, um, yeah, my ideas, yeah, basically come from yeah watching movies and watching good movies, maybe some bad movies, and I'm just like, okay, that's awesome. Um, like every Paul Thomas Anderson movie, I'm always like, they're so good. What's my version of Boogie Nights or what's this? And I suppose that's where it comes from for me. Where does the ideas come from for you? Uh, from you, mostly. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, this is a thing. So I, uh, I I almost feel like, and you said this to me before, so I'm, I'm just plagiarizing you here. But, um, but I almost feel like ideas kind of like are blessed upon you as opposed to you're like a vessel of which ideas come through as opposed to, oh, it's all my creative process and I've developed this unique idea. It's usually just an amalgamation of stuff you've seen. And, and yeah, like you're saying, this stacking ammo uh, idea actually really resonates with me now when I hear about it because you, you're almost sort of, especially, they, they say it, don't they? And this is, you know, it's a psychological uh, 
sort of basis really is that of course if you're looking at a certain say you're looking at a certain car or something and you you know you oh, i really like that ford whatever and then you just see them all over the road you keep on seeing them you're like i oh, like the blue one and you, your mind becomes attuned to sort of searching for those uh for those familiar uh cars i think the same is is true that if you're if you're a screenwriter and you're you're your aim is to write scripts that, like you're saying that when you're in lo- in certain places you're searching for like your mind will just actively search for ideas it will actively search for i think you said what you said well ironically it was mostly visual and sound based you were like oh a certain dress or a certain location or a certain sound and music and and it kind of you're stacking all this ammo until you sit down and write and then it all just kind of comes together and i think I think that's that's you're like I say you're almost like the vessel sat in front of the machine and you're just kind of typing through after all this stacking around you're just firing it out and I think there's two really good sorry to uh, cross talk you but there's there's two um yeah there's two really good uh, quotes I think one one is Charlie Kaufman and and he says that with writing if you if you catch an idea if you get the idea I think that it's Kaufman if it's not then whoever said it is great um if you catch an idea um it will write itself and present it to you when it's ready ready to be formed and I think that's true because like I've I've everyone's discipline is completely different of course I I find if I sit down at a desk if I wake up Monday morning at seven o'clock and go write coffee in hand I'm going to write 10 pages chances are I'm going to rewrite those 10 pages because I've just not thought about it you know I'm just at the desk trying to force it out whereas if I if I let it sit for a while um, and I let it marinate for like, a, you know, a good while. And all of a sudden it'd be like, oh damn, that's really good. And I'll be having like a life experience where I'll be like, maybe a, meeting somebody and well, uh, you know, again, here's something and I'll be like, oh, I need to go back to that. And then, and then weirdly, there'll just be like ideas collected from, from me just letting it live. And then the other one is Jim Jarmish. And it goes back to what I said about, uh, just Jim, when I had too many influences, uh, Jim Jarmish says, uh, I think it's Jim Jarmish. Um, you can steal from a corner shop, just don't steal from the same corner shop every night. And I think that's true. I think like you can have influences um, as long as it's not like, and maybe it is a complete, if you want to make a complete Tarantino, Fair Play to you, Tarantino is awesome. Um, but, you know, if it's going, you know, it's going to be seen as that, whereas like there, there are ways of, you know, like I look at Paul Thomas, actually one thing, and I'm just rambling now, but one thing I learned very, uh, you know, very quickly is that after just Jim, I, I love Paul Thomas Anderson. I was like, okay, I need to stop watching so many Paul Thomas Anderson movies. Let me watch movies by filmmakers that he's influenced by. Like, let me see what actually sparked him. So I went back to like Max Hoflis and like Stanley Kubrick and all those, you know, those filmmakers. And that was actually more, that was more beneficial really. I kind of saw what, what he'd become through it or like Altman, like what he'd become through it, but also what, what interested him in, in it in the first place. So, yeah, that's a good point. So I know we briefly discussed this before the call as well. Like how important do you think watching a plethora of movies, not just the ones you're interested in, like I, like me, if it doesn't have a gun in it, I don't watch it. Right. So, you know, like what, how important is it to sort of watch uh, a whole sort of array of movies from different genres, different directors, even different languages, you know, and, and things like this. Cause I know you've watched a lot that you've watched a lot of French uh, movies, et cetera. So what, what, how important do you think that is? I mean, it's important for me just because I, I feel like I'm missing out. I, I feel like I'm missing out if I don't, you know, it's like people that love reading books. I'm not so great at reading books and, you know, they're never going to read every book that's out there. And it's the same with, I mean, movies made it a lot easier to watch the films that I want to watch. Um, but um, yeah, for me, it's incredibly important. Um, you know, uh, when you, when you, when you study different styles that can come together in a beautiful way. 
Whereas if you study one style, then it makes a total sense that that's what's going to be the result. Um, but you know, I don't think it's if it's you know if if that's not the choice by other people, they don't want to watch loads of other films and they they like specific like like you Liam Neeson movies, then Liam Neeson's awesome too. Make a bunch of Liam Neeson movies before he retires. <laughs> yeah, I remember you watched um, was it Manchester by the Sea? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, and I remember you wrote, you wrote a, a, a couple of scenes in a draft of I forget which movie it was, and you and you read and we read it back, and you were like, "Oh no, I've been heavily influenced by Manchester by the Sea." I need to like re- rewrite those, uh, like because you just watched it and you just and then you wrote those scenes. Um, well, so that, that that's one thing I learned from the Alexander McKendrick book that I mentioned is that actually. Um, I mean, I, I feel like all of my stuff starts off like Manchester Odyssey. I think the movie's brilliant. Um, but what's really, what's been really helpful for me, and you, you know, you lot might do it already, but what I like doing is kind of write, even if I've got the idea of this, this, the, what the picture is or the TV show is, I, um, once I, I normally start with like the character, the protagonist, and then get that fully formed. And then I kind of play Grand Theft Auto with that character. I let him, I let him or her like wander around and they let the scenes form themselves rather than like, um, uh, I suppose writing a treatment. I feel like that for me, that just feels like putting walls up and I can't get past it. Um, but I find it really helpful to write scenes that are not going to be in the actual project. And one, one, one like really helpful scene is to like speed date your characters. If you put your protagonist in a speed date, I think you learn a hell of a lot about your character. Maybe that's not going to ever make it into the film, but it just gives you a lot of background as to, yeah, you know, you're talking about that literally, right? Yeah, because I've I've read scenes of yours where you're like they're in a speed dating situation, and then literally people you know that each character is kind of coming across each other and sort of you know talking about yeah yeah, and that, that won't make it in there, but like just the idea of like if you if you it's just a re- really nice um, uh, exercise to do I think with your with your with your protagonists or your protagonists um, just to see how they would operate and how they would navigate through scenes um, and how they interact with other people. Um, Again, it doesn't have to make it in there, and it you know might end up being a really good scene anyway. And you can put it in there, um, and then there's you know loads of movies with speed dating in it, and that's the great. <laughs> um, but but um, yeah, I, I do find that helpful just to just to um, put your characters into different yeah different environments. So then let's carry on where we were then. So say so say you've you've kind of got this script and you kind of whatever it is you know uh, whether it be a short film or pilot or a feature film um what uh, what do you do then you're saying that you obviously i read a lot of your stuff which is awesome and then of course you've got a, a producer you work with and you kind of run it by him and the, and the team there right so um what happens with that process how important do you think it is to kind of start to get views of how other people feel about it and how do you use that information um, well, your ego will not let you use it at first because your ego will tell you that it's all wrong and all the notes are wrong. Um, I, I, I personally feel, um, <laughs> I think especially Craig, Craig doesn't know anything. What's he written? A pilot? Like, uh... <laughs> I, I feel like the, yeah, the toughest thing is deciphering what's right and what's wrong really. And it's all down to taste, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I make a movie about Liam Neeson, I'm going to send it to you. Do you know what I mean? So like it, it's it's all it's all down to taste and what what people like. So I think it's just about having having somebody that you trust, um, that you that you, you can you can send it to. And at the end of the day, you know, it's all a collaboration anyway. 
um, you know, when you when you make something, you, you obviously you start off with your idea, but the collaboration process essentially is other people putting ideas on top of your idea. And then when you get to the edit, it it feels like you're removing those ideas and you're just trying to remember initially what the what what it was that you that got you so passionate about it. Um so I, I think opening up to people is fine and and um just as long as you trust them. If you trust them, then it's then it's great. But reading it out loud is more, I think more important. Not, you know, as, as much as like sending it to people is 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 great but i think reading out loud with a group of people that's when you really start to discover what's wrong okay so like rehearse readings or whatever or i mean you and i have like read all your scripts and then and all your drafts actually and then we've played you know all the characters and you've done all the stage directions and and so obviously your voice is coming through on the stage direction so i'm kind of understanding what's happening and obviously half the characters and then i'm kind of reading the other half and quite often you're asking me to play the lead in it so then you can hear those words being spoken and i think there's there's a like you're saying it's quite important to hear it said i think because obviously you know it's a, a visual but also a, a sound-based medium is, is filmmaking yeah well yeah and also like you know if you're writing a funny scene how are you going to know if it's funny if it's just you reading it like if you read it out loud in a room full of people and nobody laughs then go back to the drawing board there we go <laughs> um so well that actually brings us on to your own voice then because i know you've mentioned essentially when you get to the final edit you're almost kind of removing some other people's ideas to kind of uncover and unearth some of the glimmer of what you originally wanted the movie to be like do you have any sort of um thoughts on how people can sort of retain their own voice when it comes down to filmmaking and where the sort of hurdles might be, where they get tripped up by being too influenced. We've obviously talked about being too influenced by the movies you watch and and things like this, but there's yeah. obviously potentially by friends who you might not either trust or may not be too well averse to sort of review scripts. But outside of that, is there anything else that people need to kind of think about when it comes down to the hurdles of, uh, of being influenced and trying to retain your voice in movie making? Yeah, well, I only had, you know, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I only really discovered my voice having done something, you know, after I made, after I, so I think my biggest advice is just to like make stuff, like whether it's on the phone or whatever and, and cut it together and see see what it comes together like. Um, and, you know, you, you're going to tell if, it, if it's overtly, you know, leaning towards one way, like if it's loads of jump cuts and you're massively influenced by French in a way, then it's going to, it's going to, you know, it's going to stand up and tell you that. Um I think for me, the biggest way I've discovered voice is through where I'm from, really, like from Wales and through the characters of Wales and and um, and its DNA. Um, you know, I find Welsh people the most charming and the and the funniest, really, and and that's why anything I ever make will never be too. I mean, it'll be dark, but like never be too dark. I feel like there needs to be light because there's so much hope in Welsh people. Um, you know, they're they're so strong. Um, so yeah, my, my my I think I've I've I'm starting to discover my voice. You know, hopefully I get longer to do that. Um, but I, I'm you know through, I think through the yeah through the through my um my my Welshness, um is 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 where it's come. Not so much through movies. Um, I think movies just gave me an understanding of, of how to make movies rather than like what kind of movies I wanted to make. Yeah, that's a really good point because as you're writing a scene. How do you how are you visualizing the scene as you're writing it, and 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 therefore are you almost considering how it will be shot as you're writing it, or is it purely character driven, or how's that kind of go? What do you sort of 
How do you think that kind of form, forms? Well, it's interesting because I, I write to direct. I don't write just to write. I don't write and I'm going to put it in a drawer and be like, that was a really great script. I write to direct it. Um, so, yeah, it's always visual. And I kind of, um, some of the, you know, the nuances and the themes throughout the script will hopefully for me connect to the iconography of the piece. So it's running together. Um, so I'm always thinking visually from the beginning. Although I did, on my second film, I started to remove some of like, my stage directions are always like fast track into this, whip pan to this, zoom to this. And I just felt like it was too much. It didn't feel like a piece of literature. It didn't feel like it could, if the, I always, I, I hear Tarantino say that like, if the movie wasn't to exist and you didn't make it, can it, could it still stand up as a, as a screenplay? So as much as I'm thinking visually, I'm also thinking, okay, it just needs to read like a, like a, you know, the story just needs to connect rather than it be full of, you know, um, technical, you know, technical, like, uh, I don't know, dances or showboating. Um, so yeah, I do think visually mainly because, um, I feel if I'm going to make something, if I'm going to direct a film, certainly, and, and the, like, the image is not adding something to the project, I may as well make a radio play. That's how I feel. Interesting. How do you, so how do you, how about you? Let's go back a little bit though with, um, cause so Craig, Craig wrote this, this pilot all claims, but then actually funded it himself, got the money together himself and, and, and got the crew together himself. So what was that process like? Because I remember you saying you were going to do it and I, I feel enough anxiety just directing. And I was like, you're going to do all, all that. How the bloody hell are you going to do that? But you did, you pulled it off. So what was that process? I remember you asking, you were like, uh, on the first day, you were like, are you nervous? I was like, no, you were like, you it's like you will be. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, yeah, so that was a really re rewarding experience. But basically, I tried to make it like as legit as possible. I kind of made it a side project and I put it on sort of uh, Actors Access, I think, and I kind of, uh, or whatever website it was. And then um, I got, you know, legitimate castings from SAG actors. And then we sort of went through an audition process and, uh, and then we pulled together the team and we kind of um, uh, the crew and stuff via uh, I can't remember which which ways over there we did that. But uh, I'd work, I, I knew it, obviously about there. There's lots of filmmakers, so I knew of, uh, of people who were making commercials and they kind of put me in touch with sound technicians, etc. And so we're kind of just kind of we pulled in favors. There was a group of us. So it wasn't just me. I basically tried to get like five of my friends and we said, right, let's all create this together. There's going to be three of us that are acting in it. One of us wants to be a producer. So they're going to be a producer on the project. And, uh, and, uh, and we just all came together and started to create it. So we met several times a week at a local WeWork that I was renting out and we kind of went through it and obviously did all the sort of, um, uh shot list etc and prop list etc and so we kind of just created it all and then um uh and then said it cast it and then put offers out and uh and some of the actors and actresses that we had in the uh in the pilot have actually gone off to do amazing things actually so it led some like large american tv shows so i kind of go oh well that's you know that's interesting i could spot that talent um but it's um but that's uh anybody that's here that is a uh a screenwriter from from the background that I'm coming from, where they're wanting to perform and they they feel that script writing will not only help them as an actor but also give them potentially opportunities as an actor because they're able to cast themselves, etc. Um, the casting process was really insightful, like sort of all the different actors coming in and uh, and what they brought to the table, how they read your work. You had it. You've obviously written it in a certain way, and and. Uh, 
and they, they're coming with their, their own ideas, of course, and their own read. And you're just like, oh, my goodness, I never imagined that that character could be that. And it's really exciting. It's really exciting. But it also, it really pointed out for me as an actor just how, how important it was that good acting is not the aim. The aim is creating an amazing, entertaining character. And not caricature, but character. Someone, you know, somebody you just lean in to watch. And uh, and I never really seen that in my own work, of course, because I'm in it. But I never really found that as my focus. And and when I saw it there, and I was like deciding who to cast in this, it was the people who you're like, oh my god, what an amazing character! That I want to see more of that person. It wasn't about the how well they acted necessarily of course they acted well but there's a lot of good actors who are striving for work it was those that really brought something unique to the role that you know that other people didn't read so i think uh so yeah so that was really insightful the whole the whole process was was great it's uh um so that's kind of how I did it anyway. But you're self-funded as well. So I just saved up as I was writing and knowing that I'd need the money and um, and the insurance costs and everything else to kind of run a project that size and kind of, uh, yeah. And and when I was writing, I wrote it in a manner that, like I, I cast it in one place. It was in the insurance company. It had different places like meeting room here and like Beth's office here. And, you know, but because I was obviously renting the WeWork, I knew that there's loads of unique like spaces and really quirky looking spaces, et cetera. So I was, and I just spoke to them and said, Hey, can I kind of shoot this pilot here? And they were like, yeah, of course. But obviously if it gets commissioned, you need to kind of mention us, et cetera. But, um, which obviously I was like, yes, but I did let me shoot there for free. Cause I was a member. So yeah, pulling favors, getting a lot of friends together with the same vision, helping each other. And, uh, and yeah. And, and the, the restriction of doing it on a, on a, on a bootstrap basically was, uh, was, uh, on a shoestring budget was, was actually helpful because, it navigated my my writing in a manner that I couldn't just go, and then they go to space, you know? <laughs> it's like, you know, all this CGI or anything. I needed to I needed to write within these the confines of these, you know, these blink, these blinker confines of this uh this budget. So I think that really helped. That's actually with the because I know a lot of you here will have uh, submitted for the uh filmed grants. So um, which we're just shortlisting right now. So watch the space. But it's um uh, it's exactly that. It's this confine of going, okay, it's five minutes. That's, you know, you've got five minutes because it needs to be doable. This is obviously a, a film grant, but it's a low film grant in the grand scheme of things. Filmmaking can be very expensive. So we want to make sure that things actually, people actually create. That's the whole purpose of films, but it's uh, that people actually create something. And that, I found that really helpful. Like, I know you mentioned that uh, adding the treatment kind of can feel quite restrictive and you want these characters to play within any realm, um, which I've seen firsthand with your work actually, is that you will, you're definitely like, you definitely kind of create these characters. And then I've read so many scenes, so many scenes of Craig's that just don't end up in the, in the drafts, you know, they, and you're like, Oh, you, you come to me and you're like, Oh my goodness, they could be on like a cruise ship. And then this happens on the cruise ship and they fall overboard. And and you're just like, and, and you read those scenes and they're funny as hell. And then, and then that's, you know, the next draft, and they don't go anywhere near the sea. You know, <laughs> you just like, well, I think, I think also to, to jump on the back of that, um, they are funny as hell. No, I'm joking. And no, uh, to jump on the back of that, I think that um, you're absolutely right um, with the writing to scale. Like writing to scale is so, so important. And that's why most of my scenes end up on the floor um, because I write the Titanic and then it's like, um, you know, it basically I've got to build like a Lego boat 
and film it in that it feels like when i'm when i'm putting it together and when the rea- the harsh reality of independent film strikes um and again though i would say that like you know there's no harm in writing the first draft that you want to write and then pairing it back after afterwards just depends how much time you have and and um what, what again what your process is um uh, that's a good leading point actually i think um uh we've probably got like 20 minutes or so left i think uh what i think would be really valuable to discuss is there's gonna be a lot of writers here that have scripts they have a, a, a plethora of scripts they've written lots of different scripts different sizes etc like what's you've actually and i'm sure there are writers here that have done this of course but you've obviously gone through and you've had things commissioned and purchased off you i think right you've actually had sold so you've written scripts for other for you've been commissioned to write stuff right and then you've also been you've had your own works sort of funded and then you've actually made features that have gone into cinema etc so how does what's the what's the process for so someone who's got like I've got this script I've gone through so many drafts I've shared it with all my friends and, and people I trust and I believe this is an amazing script where the what the hell do I do with it now it's just saved on my desktop like what do I do what do I do um I mean it's again it's all different I mean it's I mean I I was very fortunate to be an actor so I was in the industry so me writing a script I had connections to give it to you know I had I had people to give it to so my you know I don't know if my specific story is that um worthwhile I think the I think what I did do with my first script because I wasn't a writer at all and um I felt like at that time actors turned to you know writers was not a cool thing although it is a very cool thing and more people are doing it um I sent my script into like a cinematic scheme, which was essentially the BFI Film Agency Wales and the BBC. And they were putting like £300,000 into like first time filmmakers, essentially. I think the scheme still happens. And I know that the BFI also do do stuff. And Film 4, actually, Film 4 is really good for first time filmmakers. Film 4 have, mm-hmm. um, I, I know a few things that they do and certainly applications that you can submit for, for like first time filmmakers. Um, so I really just I wrote the script and I, and I sent it into them and then it was um uh yeah it was a process of going through like the uh, it felt like training in a way so um like six or eight weeks of like making the film better via these organizations and stuff like that but I I think the I think I, I think the bet that that said I think the best thing to do is to submit to like um what what what's what's good is that people like the BFI uh you know they they commission short films and they certainly look to make the features of those as proof of concept for that. So I think people like the BFI are really good to, to, to go to. I've never done anything like Kickstarter and stuff, but I I know that's, I know a lot of people that have, and that's also really awesome. And, um, you know, kind of, uh, you know, getting resources from people that, you know, to, to, to make stuff. The, the, the fact is, is that we have iPhones and Tangerine was made on the iPhone and it's an absolute brilliant film. So I, I guess, I guess to make your first thing or to make something, I I don't think you need a couple of million pounds to do it. You know, you need, you just need really, really good actors. It doesn't matter what camera you have or what kind of production designer you have or all the money in the world. Um, You can have the best cameras. You can have Christopher Nolan behind, behind the camera, but if the actors are not very good, then it's not going to hold up. It's not going to be an interesting, you know, it's not going to be an interesting project. So if you can get your iPhone or phone that you have and, and some good actors, you can make something. That's, uh, you know, I think I think you're uh, being out on yourself there with regards to the your journey through it and potentially 
coming from this this idea that you were um, had a lot of work behind you as an actor because although of course you knew people and you had you do have a lot of work behind you as an actor i think you when you started directing you started directing um, music videos and you started when you started writing you started writing sizzles and like sort of uh, for for pilots even it wasn't sort of straight into features so i think yeah. you did you went through this process and then of course when you got your first funding like you're saying it was it wasn't through lionsgate it was it was through sort of uh, bfi and you know yeah, sorry, sorry sorry yeah no i i think more I, yeah i i definitely did the work to do that of course i did because i wasn't really taken seriously as a writer or director just you know that the acting was completely separate to it um but you know it's all it's all relative and degrees of like, you know, how many doors can be opened and how many doors you can open and get, getting to people essentially is what this industry is, is, is getting to people and bringing it back to film. That's why we wanted, you know, film to exist so that people can get to one another and, and, and people can open those doors for other people. Um, so yeah, I did the, yeah, I did, I, I did, yeah, the, like you said, music videos, I did three music videos to try and see if I knew what I was doing. And I, I directed a pilot for a TV show that absolutely didn't go anywhere. And, um, yeah, then started writing a feature. And the first draft of that is the worst thing in the world. Honestly, it's terrible. Well, you said that to me actually, and it was my time briefly to my limited experience of, uh, of writing features is that you said like, your first feature you'll put in the bin, like just write it, just get it out of your system, write your first feature, put it in the bin and then write your second one because your first one is potentially going to just be hell. And so, you know, you're kind of going through, you're learning so much as you write that first feature that ultimately it'd be so difficult to scale into something that's that's potential, you know, could potentially be made. Um, Again, all depends. I mean, you know, Paddy Considine wrote Tyrannosaur in five days, and that was his first draft of that movie, and the bloody thing's a masterpiece. So it's just, it's so hard to, you know, it really is just finding your own process and what what's right for you. Um, and on that note, I think we should probably open it up to people. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't say right. Oh, you've got, I've got a few questions here that we've written in, but why why don't we put our digital hands up and then I'm going to mute somebody and we can ask the question in... Uh, How do you put your digital hand up? Oh, I don't know. I think you can do it, right? So you go into participants, I think. And then is it? How do you do this? I have seen it been done. Chat. Oh, is it chat? Hold on. We'll get through this together, guys. <laughs> uh, the reactions. 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 Is it reactions? Oh, yeah. Reactions, and you can raise hands. There you go. So I think it should work on phones as well, because I know some of you in cars, etc. And uh, so let's raise digital hands, and for those who have questions, and then I can kind of go through. Uh, I have a question. For, I have a question for Ross. Ross, did you start with a pot noodle and then go to Pringles, or was it always Pringles? Your mic's off. Oh, can I use him? It was a Bombay bad boy, extra hot sauce. I thought it was a pot noodle. I thought it was. It looks so good. True writer. True writer. <laughs> nice. Apologies if that came across rude. No, I did it. Hell, no. I was. I just. I. I it made me want to have one. But then I saw the Pringles. I was like, oh, maybe it was just Pringles. So yeah. I actually That's had some good. Pringles first, which is odd. Then went to the main meal. <laughs> I <laughs> love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Karim, uh, if I'm, yeah, do you want to jump on? Yeah, I have, I have a question because um, we were talking about budgets and um, I find it really um, problematic if you think too much about the budget. 
I'm doing it while I'm writing, but uh, I think it really is restricting because I think most of us don't have really a budget or something. So it's a bit hard to you know, imagine something very big or high concept. And uh, But do you um, have, do you, are most of your ideas high concept? Sometimes, yeah, if it involves dreams or, or something like that, and then I have to scale it back to a little, you know, to a little more practical thing, and then it loses a lot. And I'm trying to think about characters and about um, being um, realistic. And it's, it's um, I'm trying yeah. to find a way how to do it. Correct. I, I um I don't yeah it's a tough question. I, I found the quickest way I've I've discovered to like you know certainly take money out of budgets is to re not so if you've got a high concept idea then it may be a lot of CGI and in that in that case then you know you're going to need something. But I found one way one way that you know the money is certainly gets Pac-Maned like eaten up is locations. If you can reduce the amount of locations you have, that certainly saves you time and money. And obviously it's the same thing. Like if you can just, you know, again, with the writing to scale thing, I normally have like 300 locations and then that goes down to like 50, you know, and I'm, I don't lose so much about the characters, um, you know, cause I'll take like dialogue that I like from other scenes and put that into it. Um, and sometimes it'll end up better I find, but yeah, certainly I, I, I yeah, there's, that, it's a tough question to answer, but I'd say that locations is, I, I've found the, the quickest way to get money out of it. A budget. Yeah, I wasn't even talking about about CGI. I was I was like, even if if you think about, okay, now we could we could cut back to a scene in childhood, and then you have you need child actors now. Now now you need you know you, you need you need to think about clothes, about um, uh, production design. Mm -hmm. So it's it's tough to be realistic with your scripts. Often. I think yeah. I think what you're saying Craig about this idea of just writing the writing the the full script that you want to write initially, and then you know there's only so much we really know about uh, budgets, and there's obvious things like CGI we know costs money, but outside of that, how much do we truly know you know about what what things cost necessarily, uh, certainly from a first read. So I think I think then it's just a case of finding opportunities to tell the story in different ways that don't doesn't lose anything that can be whilst you're building this sort of uh, catalog of work initially that can uh, that there are potentially uh, obviously small compromises but but at the end of the day you then end up making something that's way more important to actually have something made than it is to necessarily be true to the full budget vision of your original movie that will come you know i think um so yeah well cheers good question Karim. um Owen, am i, am I pronouncing that right? Owen, do you want to jump on yeah, it's it's a wine. It is. Oh, sorry. Perfect. Yeah. Or Owen, either. My my own mother calls me Owen, so it's me. That's quite confusing, really. Oh, but your name. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah, it's a question for well, both of you, really. I guess. Um, uh, first one is: Do you write every day? And then, do you even write when you don't feel like writing at all? I mean, do you how do you have methods of getting you know? You're not inspired every day, and I wondered if, like, sort of, do you sit down anyway and just start writing and hope that the inspiration starts, you know, comes to you? Yeah, definitely not. No, I don't write every day. I, I spend most of my day watching Soccer Saturday and playing like FIFA, um, and and hoping that an idea is going to come somewhere. Um, and normally it's in the fridge. Um, 
Yeah. And uh, then, yeah, sorry. you definitely you definitely do that, right? So you're uh like you said before, you alluded to it. You were basically saying that you um uh you don't put pressure on yourself to sit down and write, you know, you're stacking ammo, and then when it all comes together, you kind of you end up sitting down and writing something. Um wow. Yeah, I think that I think the journey as a writer is a really lonely one at times, and it can be really, really tough. So to put pressure on yourself to write every day, if that's not working for you, I think is not the right thing to do at all. Um, I just think give yourself the time, give yourself the time to watch more movies, you know, read read more. And if it's not coming, don't I think don't force it. Because personally, I can only talk about my experience. When I write ten pages, if I sit down, if I wake up tomorrow and write ten pages, um, I'll rewrite it in like a week and it just it'll be a waste of my time um but i know people that can sit down and just you know just bash out scripts um and if that's if that's what people can do how, what, what do you do uh do you, is, is that is that what you do oh and do you, do you do you know sit down and force yourself to write yeah well basically just in the sort of back office in the house and then just kind of start writing and even if i think this is all rubbish i'll just continue to write just so it's yeah. just sort of because i feel like if them if you stop the momentum I feel like a few days go by and you might get a bit bored with the idea or something. I always think it's best to just get the idea out. It's probably the wrong way to write. No, it's not the wrong way. You bang on because I, I'm like that as well. I like to be, I like to believe that I'm pretty monog mon monogamous with my ideas and I, I stick to them. But like, yeah, there are other things that pop up and make me think of other things that I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that instead. And like you said, I lose I lose interest with it. In that case, yeah, I think you're probably right to follow it through and finish it and get to the end of it and then just look back. Otherwise... Um, yeah, there's going to be 10, 10 first acts. Mm -hmm. And that's and that's definitely something that I've experienced with the writing of Death Day is that it's just loads of first acts, you know, um, and it's because uh, for me, I would definitely say that uh, the discipline of kind of coming in at 5 a.m. and sort of sitting down no matter what is the, um, is the one that seems to work for me. But then if you look at Craig and I's career with our writing careers, I think I know which one I choose. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's a, I suppose it's, it's about what works for you, really. And so you can, uh, you know, you'll you know, read and, and see a ton of people being like, right, wake up and do meditation and then eat your smoothie salad or whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, and do all of that. But ultimately, it's what works for you. So whatever gets the script written that you're proud of, uh, essentially. Yeah, just to double down on that, I think it's better to get to the end of something that isn't quite right than to not. So um, I'm going back on my own um, method. I think yours is better. Okay, thanks. Thanks yeah. for that. Hi, how are you doing? Hi. Um, my, my question is probably quite similar to Owen's. Um, and uh, as I work on the other side of the production pipeline and as a colorist this is a new world for me but um so i wanted to know when you start writing do you just head straight into story or do you do what all of the books tell us to do you know plan the structure and character development and journey and how do you approach the blank page with fear <laughs> <laughs> and coffee <laughs> and coffee loads of coffee and then anxiety after that which is always helpful um how do i, I character probably yeah character i get uh on the back of what i said earlier like movies that have inspired me or like characters that are like like travis bickle or um one of my favorite i think one of my favorite characters is um barry egan from punch drunk love by paul thomas anderson who essentially is going through the world with like social anxiety and uh through the nuances and like what 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 
PTA has done with like the visuals and certainly towards what you know you do Heinz like the, the, the color of the movie um he's added this whole different layer that he's Superman like I didn't know that I, you know I watched the movie a few times I didn't know that actually Adam Sandler's character was Superman until I saw Mark Camote talk about it and then I went back and I saw all the you know the different layers of it um and that came from just his anxiety that he was an alien in 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 the real world that's how he felt and that's you know that's how he translated it so character probably yeah um, although if I, you know, I, I very rarely come up with ideas if I'm totally honest with you. Like I don't, I'm not an idea a day kind of person. I don't wake up and go, that's a great movie. I'll put that on the list. Like the list has nothing on it. Like it's just, it's just the thing that I'm working on right now. Um, so, uh, why was I talking about idea? Uh, why was I talking about not having ideas? <laughs> no idea. Um, <laughs> this is great for screenwriting. I have no ideas. Um, yeah, because you're character, you're character driven. So you basically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Across like But like when, um, so if I do, if it ever comes a time when like I, I have like a plot, if I have like a certain a setup for something like recently I did recently something came to me that was like, Oh, like it was just a hook for like a film. I was like, Oh, that's a commercial hook for a movie. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll explore, explore that. But nine times out of 10, I'm always going to go back to like the movie that has no plot and a character that's slightly strange or somebody that I identify with. And I want to see how they go through the world. So I'd probably start with character should start with plot because um, that's what people want to see. Probably. How do you do Craig? Oh, well, yeah, no, that's uh I would I would say that it's it's easy it's I find it easier to write uh, scenes where the character leads it. So just come up with amazing characters and then uh, and then put them in interesting situations. Um, but with uh, all claims with that pilot, I was quite systematic. I read Save the Cat and I was like, okay, so what you know, insight is incident, and how can I kind of structure this in a in a really entertaining way, and how can I arc this so it's so it has a real punch at the end, but then also create enough uh, situations where it's like, oh, I can see where the series will lead because this this relationship here is sort of forming, and this one's breaking apart, etc. So I was really systematic about it. Um, so yeah, again, I think it kind of things things work it all works almost it all works it's just a case of finding what works for you in that particular moment and you may find it's from script to script you know or from year to year it's so uh, you know it's it's whatever will follow what works so as you as you're producing you'll you'll have an, a feel a, a feeling of like okay this doesn't seem to be i'm not getting stuff done here i'm not writing things that i believe in or i'm not writing the stuff that i feel proud of and so i need to mix things up and i need to stack more ammo or i need to be less hard on myself or vice versa i need to sit down and say right 5 a.m you're up you've got to be you're going to be at the desk and you're going to start writing because i'm losing momentum and things like this it's you know so try the different ways of, of, of you know developing those stories really so we've got uh, Campbell, Liv, Ariana, Abdul, and Amy. So no more questions after that. Let's see if we can uh, get through these because I know there's uh, and uh, yeah, I definitely want to see if we can get through these. So Campbell, uh, go for it. Hi, yeah, I'll be very quick so everyone gets a chance. Um, in your film, Just Jim, uh, there's an awesome character in it. I feel like you've got like the gifts for kind of that lovely like deadpan. And it was a gentleman on a bridge and he's just got this like motif line that's like, copy that claim. And it is just so good. And like me and my mates use it all the time now. <laughs> I just you really? We do, we do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um it's really applicable for loads of situations. Uh but my question was, 
how do you come up with characters that just gently aid the story without kind of pulling it too much towards them? That gentleman being an example. Uh, that line is stolen from my uncle. My uncle says it all the time. So my uncle will like, he'll be, he'll say something and he'll say something that he thinks is funny. And if it doesn't land, he go, yeah, copy clip. Like he'll say it really quick. Um, as, as if like nobody's listening to him as it, you know, mocking the person that's not laughing. Um, he's called Clive. Uh, he's not called Clive. No, I don't know who Clive is. So I have no idea who Clive is. Um, I, I steal it. I really do. Like I love ma- mannerisms, like strange, um, like I, uh, I, crazy I, characters, crazy <laughs> characters. Yeah, like just small, small things. Like I saw somebody yesterday that was like, um, just like constantly clicking their wrists, um, every time they talked, and I just like small things like that. I'm like, oh, that's so interesting. What, what's making them do that all the time? And, um, and it kind of, I, for me, it feels like a cheat to get around exposition because I kind of, I have an allergic reaction to exposition. Whenever I'm saying like, oh, somebody just, you know, somebody just killed somebody, it just feels so obvious. So like, if if you can, if you can kind of I don't know, plant, plant strange things around it. Um, that's my way of getting out of it really. And I, I love David Lynch and his films. So I like strange characters. So that's probably why. Um, and also like people in Wales are quite deadpan. Uh, their accents are so melodic um, that like they, they tend to not have that much expression on their faces. So they're very kind of like Harold and Maud or like ghost town, um, which I just love. I love so much. Thank you. Copy that, Clive. Uh, <laughs> Copy that. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I'm not a writer, but I've always had like a very vivid imagination, and it's probably in like the last year that I've thought, you know, why not give it a go? Um, and like you say, you collect a lot of ideas, and everything's kind of a bit like a spider diagram in a way. Yeah. And it, for me, it's like because because I'm not a writer, how do you then kind of get that onto paper and then start connecting the dots because it feels wrong to start something where you don't completely know where it's going. Is it a case of just getting this idea out, this idea out, this idea out, and then over time kind of connecting them to make the whole thing, if that makes sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, the, the cheat code to that, I would say, is go on to www.im. DB. <laughs> I am, no, it is that. I am... SDB, which is the IMDB for scripts. So you can find all free scripts for movies on that. So if you go onto that, you can write like, you can find There Will Be Blood and you can find all the screenplays. And I just say, read as many as you can and just get yeah. a feel uh, get a feel for how they start on the story and how they're kicking it off. Um, um, and then once you get the first, yeah, once you get that first act, which is basically the setup, then you can just run with it and see and see where it goes. But I've just read as many scripts as possible. That that's yeah. probably the, the the best advice I could give, um, just to see how yeah how they do it. It's a really yeah. good website and it's all free. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, Ariana. Hi. Um, first. Thank you. This has been a wonderful way to learn. I'm actually from Bolivia and here it's very difficult to participate in the film industry since it's not considered a very important field as many as any art field, to be honest. And I think uh, there is a better chance to get involved in the industry out of my country. So do you have any advice regarding building connections when you are abroad? Um, Craig, do you have any? 
join film, that's probably a good start. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's what, that's what you'll say. Opening filmed up, aren't we? Because we've had a lot of members or a lot of people reach out and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to join and it's not accepted my card. And then we realize, you know, they're trying to pay in euros. Or, and there's, uh, there's a lot of people actually that have joined uh in america and there's, there's people around the world that managed to get through all of our apis and stuff are connected to uk addresses etc and they've somehow managed to get through and sort of add themselves into film which is amazing but it's it uh, we, we get a lot of uh people asking for it sort of opening it up and sort of making it sort of worldwide and global so uh we just never thought that it would uh be something people are interested in right out of the game because it's a dot code at uk you know we thought it's for uk but actually there's so many people just don't care about the domain and just want to join so uh so that's one thing i think yes i think making connections via films and and going on and just reaching out to members looking on the map and seeing who you kind of have uh sort of similarities to and uh, who are working on projects look at the projects list and filter by whatever category you want and kind of see what people are trying to create and kind of just reach out dm them and you know and all that sort of thing i think that's really helpful um but both Craig and I, in theory, have kind of tried to make connections in another country with the whole America thing, right? So Craig obviously went out there because of his uh, because of agent work and sort of getting get an agent out there after submarine and all of that. And I went out there with no connections and kind of tried to make connections. So I think sometimes it's kind of if you want to work in a certain country, it's kind of trying to take the the leap and go through all the crazy hurdles, especially now post pandemic, of trying to move there. Um, I certainly was fortunate but still it took me a year to get an one working visa in the united states it's an extremely difficult visa to get you have to have an, a crazy amount of work to to prove that you're a sort of a, a, an alien of extraordinary ability <laughs> it's the only time i've ever recorded that so and you know and thousands in legal fees so i had to just save and save and save i kind of went out there and scoped the place and see if i'd enjoy working there and all of that so i'd say you know it's a it's a long and hard road but I think um, there's there's loads of opportunities for working remotely, I think, with a lot of filmmaking now, certainly in post-production. So there's that, depending on what you want to get into. And certainly writing, you can sort of work with people across the, across the globe for writing. And then, of course, trying to formulate a plan, an action plan of moving somewhere, moving to, to closer to film industries and, and, uh, and production companies, really. Thank you. Abdul, how you doing? <laughs> Hello, I have um, two questions, kind of similar. Question number one is, how do you know when to give up on an, on an idea? You hear about stuff like the Queen's Gambit that um, took eight years to get made and then finally got made. And how do you know when to give up? If people don't want to make it, how long do you wait until you say, okay, fine, it's not going to happen? Question number two is, how did you get um, money for art house films? They're not really um, commercial and they're not going to sell as much, but you still want to make them. So how do you get funding for that? Well, you have definitely come to the right place because that is Craig's portfolio of work. <laughs> get it, get it. Yeah, they, I don't think anyone will fund me anymore, so I'm not sure. Um, I, I, so the, the first question... Um, how do you know when to stop? Well, it's very simple. If you really, really love it, then you don't stop and you continue. But if you don't love it, then you stop because you're going to fall out of love with it by the end of it and fall back in love with it. So if you really, really love it, then keep going, I think, because the process will really test you. Um, 
And, you know, obviously with that, I mean, you know, have other things and have other ideas that you can pursue as well. You don't have to just be married to that one idea, but can continue to try and push that it, it should happen. Um, but certainly I found that if, if, um, if I don't really, really love something that I'm going into, um, it, it tests me so much that by the end of it, it's, I don't know how rewarding it can be. So if you really, really love it, I'd say keep pushing until it, until it is made. And then the second one, um, God, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, I, I've mentioned the BFI, I've mentioned film for, um, there's obviously, um, Film Company Wales, if you're from Wales, BBC, I know, I think do um, schemes for first-time filmmakers as well. Um, I, I always go back to the BFI just because they're, they're um, it's it's really easy to navigate your way through their, their website and where to, where to apply. So I think uh, certainly with Art House stuff, I think BFI is a good place to start. Um, yeah. We're working a lot with Biffa right now. So Biffa have just... Um amazingly they kind of reached out to us and said we love what filmed is and what it's doing and we want to be a part of it and uh we've basically been working with onboarding their uh springboard sort of initiative where they're helping second time filmmakers make their second features and they're using all the collaboration tools that we have here and the sort of uh onboarding them as we speak and so they've just recently been shouting about us on social and stuff which is really really amazing but um uh they are also talking about sort of how they can get filmed members going through their programs etc sort of finding talent this way as well because obviously we're we're growing community and um uh and it's a resource that they've maybe not tapped into yet so they uh so i think we should we should definitely look craig at creating like a resource section within filmed where we yeah. can stuff out we can sort of uh have links to different sort of uh well certainly we discussed that we should have all, all the film festivals library and archive you know sort of listed out and then film funds and grants and we should just have a library of all of this stuff on films for sure so let's let's see if we can put our heads together and and work at something for that yeah that sounds great cheers Abdul. thanks a lot thanks Abdul. and amy how you doing you all right Oh, no. uh, yeah. Hi, there we go. I've never done this hey. on my phone before. This was a quick, I was doing a favour for my friend feeding a rabbit and then I didn't quite get back in time and I was having to balance you on my dashboard. And Anyway, I'm here now. Hi. Hey. <laughs> um, yeah, so I have, I have two things. The first, if I may be so bold, might be just a suggestion. Not, I wouldn't call it advice because I've never had anything actually like fully commissioned, but it's, you know, it's served me well. And the feedback that I have got is that my dialogue strong and my characters are strong. So one thing that I think has been really interesting for me, um, I started reading about attachment theory. Um, and this is like something that's like, you know, psychologists have researched and it's about like the development in children. But the idea is that we fall into three different kinds of attachment. And now actually when I'm, and I approach this cause I'm an actor mainly when I look at a character through acting but then you know maybe more so when I'm writing I'll think what attachment style does this character have because then once you have that everything falls into place how they interact with everyone around them is sort of just there you know you're either avoidant attachment you're anxious ambivalent or you're secure and within that you've got backstory you've got how they would speak to new people how they would speak to their loved ones so I don't know like I recommend like people read up on attachment theory because that has just been insane for me amazing um, i'm gonna nick that definitely yeah yeah um yeah and then my question so i'm sort of i'm doing 
two very different sort of projects at the minute. I'm doing a short film that I'm financing with friends of mine who have their own production company. Um, and we're just sort of crowdfunding for that. So it's just sort of like we're trying to get corporate funding and things like that. But then at the other end of the spectrum, I'm writing more TV series based stuff rather than film. Um, and so like Abdul said, like, at what point do you sort of <laughs> go, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. So I'm, I mean, I, I can't see Abdul on my screen now, but I'm about two or three years into this one thing that I'm still trying to get made. Um, and I have, I think I've always asked the same question of, of other actors who are writers, like how important is it to get an agent? Shall I just put this in front of a producer? You know, shall I exhaust all of my own contacts first? And I've sort of done all of that now. And I think, yeah, should, you know, I think, you know, you mentioned film four, but I guess that's just for features um you know do bfi necessarily just do you know what i mean like i think i'm i'm struggling to i think bfi do shorts i think bfi definitely do shorts I, i'm not sure whether their shorts are always proof of con- proof of concept for a feature film that's going to go right. forward and i'm not really See, sure think, yeah, the, yeah i think it, BFI do shorts. yeah it was like i'm struggling for series at the minute because i've been working on like i've, I've done draft after draft after draft of of episode one as it were and i've you know i did all the things that you guys say and you're like reading it aloud um i have an actor on board who's really excited to play one of the leads um and i've had some amazing producers read it and sort of give me notes and i've gone away and and worked and you know like you said like put ego to one side and just gone away and yeah i think how different maybe is getting something made for TV than film? Oh, oh interesting. And should that, yeah, and that, yeah, I think I'm just sort of now at the point where I'm like, no one's taking on any new clients, like from a from an agent's point of view, no one's taking on um, any new clients um, following the pandemic. They're all like, oh, we just need to con- concentrate on our own clients. Mm-hmm. And producers are just going, oh, it's not really a story we want to tell right now. And I'm starting to go, how true is that? Yeah, I think, but yeah, I think it's, it's about finding that 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 platform or that streamer or channel that are going to want to tell that story. I I find TV a lot harder than film. I find it way harder than film. I think mainly because of the discipline of having to sit down and, and write uh, again that like Bible, that twenty to thirty page Bible of where the show is going to go, and um, with no dialogue in it, pretty much. It's just you know, it's just stage description. Um, I, I um I had a show. I don't know when to stop really because like I have a show that I, I, I've, I have two episodes of it. I have a series outline. I have a, a, a director statement of it and I put it into the BBC and it was at the BBC for about a year and then they said no to it. And now it's kind of back into the ether and it's, I don't, I'm not sure what to do with it. Um, uh, I, I, I think I think the good thing is, is that, you know, the attention seems to be going towards TV. So there's enough people to, to want to, you know, fund that stuff. Um, yeah. But I, I think you'll find somebody that's going to want to do it if you think, you know, if you truly believe in it. Yeah. And, it, you know, it is the one thing that, like, I have the most faith in, so I'm just going to keep fevering away. But, yeah, I just, I guess, yeah, like, do I just keep exhausting my own producer context or really try and, like, is the mo is it, am I only really going to get taken seriously if I get, like, a writing agent? You know, that sort of thing. Like, Are you directing it or are you, are you writing it? Are you directing as just, well? Just writing, because it's a series. I, I don't think I... I a, I don't think I'd be trusted, so I don't think it was a feasible suggestion to even go. I want to be the lead. I've written it, and also kind of direct it. So I thought actually it might be interesting to bring another vision on on board. What huh? might be what might be helpful, even if you're not directing it, is just to create um, 
if it's if it's you know if it's hitting barriers, then maybe just create like a sizzle reel, maybe a one minute sizzle reel of like the tone of the show. Oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah, you've done that before as well, Craig. I've seen some of his sizzles and they're amazing. And you can get you, the real tone of the show. And, and quite often the selling point is in the tone. You know, you, you think of some of the most famous sort of TV shows that you watched and you kind of, there's a certain tone that just keeps you watching. It's not just plot-based. It's not even just character-driven. It's also the tone in which, and the whole piece is shot, the cinematography of it, et cetera. And I think pulling that together can maybe pick you across that, that, that final, it almost feels like the final hurdle you've got here. So I think yeah. playing around with that, sort of using some of your other writer credits, maybe to either uh, bring in some money or using these sort of um, uh, the crowdfunding platforms to kind of create the funding to be able to film a sizzle. You know, yeah. Yeah. Sort of say, trust me, I can do this. Yeah, this is exactly. what, I, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Because yeah. you are essentially going into a completely new medium and you've got all this experience that you're acting behind you and you're kind of going, okay, now I want to be trusted as a writer here. So the like Craig essentially went through a very similar process there and uh, he had, you have to kind of prove yourself all over again. And yeah. so you've got, you've got you know, an unfortunate position with the contacts and producers, et cetera, but it's a case of now still going, okay, but look, here's what it will be. You know, look, look at this sizzle. And then people can, you know, people almost need to see it, which is, you know, it's like the car before the horse, but if you can do that sizzle with a much cheaper budget then. And, uh, and that's what I'm saying as well. Yeah, definitely back that idea. Okay. Thank you so much. Right. Well, so thank you everybody for joining, and thank you very much for the film, first filmed chat here today on screenwriting. Also, let me just add in real quick because I forgot to mention earlier. Actually, for those that don't use it, there's a really good website, and probably most of you do, but like called Shot Deck. I don't know if you use that, but Shot Deck is amazing. You can get the first month for free, and it's basically got every shot from pretty much most movies with like high def um, resolution. You can also just type into like anamorphic. You can go with lenses. This is more for directing, but you can type in like what lens is or what actor or what kind of mood. And it's really good for like statements or like creating a mood board for a piece. I suppose it's for writing as well if you want to create a mood board. Everybody, thanks so much. Uh, we're really hoping to do more of these, right? Craig, potentially. Yeah, to... we're going to do more and we're going to get some other people involved, some cool people. So, um, um, or not cool people, uncool people as well. That'd be good as well. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to plan to do more. So thank you all for for turning up. Um, we really appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.